Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 349, and we're talking about how to get around in Spain. It is going to be good. We're so looking forward to getting back to Spain in just a couple of months' time. It's going to be so cool. Looking forward to the European summer once again. Yeah, everyone asks us what our favorite destination is from all of our travels. And obviously, we love our home country of New Zealand, but Spain comes a close second. So we're always happy to talk about traveling in Spain, getting around Spain, eating in Spain. Wow, it's so delicious. We're in New Zealand right now, and it is Waitangi Day, which is a public holiday, and it's the day when the Treaty of Waitangi was signed. And this is kind of like our constitution, our founding document. It's the agreement that was made between the European colonists and uh, the British Crown and the Maori people, who were the indigenous people. Uh, at the time when the Europeans arrived. So big public holiday here. And we're actually up in the Bay of Islands, which is where the first European capital of New Zealand was and where the document was signed. So we're in Russell at the moment, which is across the bay from Waitangi, where the Treaty of Waitangi was signed. You know, we we think of these really inventive names for things. (laughs) But yeah, so our prime minister is currently there. Um, There's celebrations going on. So yeah, it's quite a, a big day here. Yeah, and we are uh, in a holiday home here with Airbnb and hiding under a blanket recording for you. So, (laughs) great. (laughs) Going to get back out into the sun, go down to the village, maybe do some fishing later today. It's going to be a good little holiday. And it's a beautiful summer's day at the moment. So if you hear some noises in the background, it might be some cicadas chirping or maybe the cry of a weka, which is a local bird. So we're sorry for any background noise, but it's great background noise. (laughs) Hey, this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is sponsored by Welcome Pickups. Welcome is the best way to discover a destination. You can pre-book an arrival transfer from the airport when you're going to arrive. And there's added benefits that you can order, like getting SIM cards, getting mobile hotspots, getting tickets, all there. So when you arrive, you get all of that straight away. Makes life so easy. Yeah, Welcome operates in a whole bunch of different destinations, mostly in Europe, uh, and a lot of them in Greece. So Athens, Thessaloniki, Santorini, Crete, Mykonos, Kos, Rhodes, Corfu, Cyprus, Madrid, Barcelona, Paris, Rome, Milan, Vienna, Amsterdam, Budapest, Prague, Hong Kong, Tel Aviv, and they're opening new destinations each month. So since this topic of the podcast is how to get around in Spain, and they operate in Madrid and Barcelona, it's definitely worth considering if you'd like to be picked up from the airport if you're flying into Madrid or Barcelona to get a pickup from Welcome Pickups. You can find out more at welcomepickups.com slash indie travel. It's welcomepickups.com slash indie travel. Check out if they are supporting the destination that you're heading to. And we're going to be talking about getting around in Spain. So as we mentioned, Spain, it's a wonderful place. You should definitely go. And a lot of people do just go to Madrid or Barcelona and that's it. But, you know, Spain is one of these countries where each region is almost a country in itself. It's got its own history, its own culture, its own delicious food. So you really should travel around a bit and and get to know. If you don't have much time, just one other part of the country. If you have more time, the entire country. Don't tell Catalonia they're like another country, Linda. That's (laughs) that's pushing things a bit too far right now. Yeah, I think they know. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, one of the best choices for price, comfort, and 
budget over time is to jump on a bus. There are some very nice long distance coaches that are available and they go into city. The time I remember most of all jumping on a bus around Spain was to go from Madrid to Haro. Now, Haro's the town that's the center and the heart of the Rioja wine region, and it is pretty cool in and of itself. Nice little town perched up on a hill with wineries, vines all around it. But we went there for a fight. Yes, a wine fight, and it was awesome. The basic idea was that two neighboring little towns were fighting over like autonomy of a certain area. And I don't know how it happened, but somehow they decided that fighting over it by throwing wine at each other was the correct thing to do. So now it's an annual event and everyone just goes to this area and throws wine at each other. Now, to get there, we caught a bus from Madrid. And we'd been looking into this for some time. There was a direct bus from Madrid and we were just going to catch the bus and get there. But we put off buying our ticket a little too long and we missed out on buying the bus tickets on the direct bus. Luckily, we were able to find an alternative route which involved transferring. So we went to one town, changed, got on another bus. So a little bit annoying. But uh, yep, our bus trip there was absolutely fine. One thing I really loved about the time in Aru, though, was we were staying in the town and you had to get out to you know the wine fight area. It was maybe a couple, maybe four or five kilometers away. So they'd put on buses to get you from the town to there, but we didn't quite know where to go to get on the bus. So we're walking along, walking along, and we saw some people standing in a group beside the road. And we thought, oh, we'll ask them. Maybe this is where the bus stop is. And they said, oh, no, this isn't the bus stop, but we're being picked up in a van, so you can just come with us. And there were already about 16 people sitting by the side of the road, which is about how many people fit in a van. So we thought, well, we're not going to fit. And they said, no, 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 it'll be fine. So then the van rocks up. And it's already full. <laughs> and three or four of the people waiting were just there to hang out and wait for the van to arrive. So they weren't coming. But gosh, we were really packed in. <laughs> so we we all kind of squished our way in and, and managed to make our way in. And we're standing, you know, chest to chest with everyone else in this van. And it was just one of those hilarious journeys. And it reached a peak when they started singing a song about how we were from New Zealand. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You can't make this stuff up. No, it was so awesome. On the other side of the scale from being trapped, uh, standing up, squeezed in like sardines in a crazy little panel van, is to travel by train, which I think is the most comfortable and most pleasant way to get around in Spain. They have some very fast high-speed trains and some less fast but still comfortable uh, intercity and regional trains. But in general, fast, clean, comfortable 99% of the time, although they can be a bit pricey. Yeah. If you're traveling intercity or medium distance, you can really just buy your tickets on the day. But if you're going long distance, you need to buy in advance like you need to do for a bus as well. Although with some buses, you can just rock up on the day if it's a really common route. As we realize, Madrid to Ara, not a very common route. Uh, we traveled from Madrid to Valencia by high-speed train, and we got some reasonably priced tickets. But yeah, it's not particularly cheap. Yeah, and when Linda says high speed, it is fast, up pushing around 300 kilometers and a bit over in some of the areas. So that was really cool. It's quite neat just sitting there and you're looking at the speed and you're going, I feel like we're going pretty slowly. We're just <laughs> cruising along and you look up and you're doing 250 k's an hour and you're like, oh, wait, what? what's happening here? It was so comfortable. 
One thing to be aware of, though, is that all long-distance trains in Spain require a seat reservation. So that means you get allocated your own seat, which is obviously fine if you're buying a point-to-point ticket. But it is a problem when you're traveling by U-rail or interrail. So with these passes, you get unlimited train trips for the validity of the pass. And we were using a U-rail pass to get around Spain several years ago. And we realized that those reservation tickets that you had to buy in addition to your U-rail pass were actually quite expensive. So it didn't make the U-rail pass such great value. Because if we'd actually bought point-to-point tickets in advance, it wouldn't have been that much more expensive than just the reservation portion of the ticket. So... Yeah, it's something to be aware of. We don't recommend you use Eurail and Interrail in Spain. You'd be much better using it in other parts of Europe and just buying point-to-point tickets when you're in Spain. Hey, one of the trips I remember most vividly was going from Madrid up to Segovia. And as you go from the city and start going across the plain and winding your way up into the mountains, for us it started to snow. And so we were doing this train trip up the mountain uh, with the snow starting to fall, and it was pretty magical. Yeah. And Segovia is pretty magical by itself. The castle there is one of the main inspirations for the Walt Disney Castle, and so you're wandering around this beautiful kind of half-modern, half-medieval city with lovely Renaissance castles and suckling pig being slow-roasted over the fire and... Yeah, it was just glorious. And that is a beautiful day trip out of Madrid. And in fact, traveling by train is a really good way to do day trips. You can get, as Craig said, up to Segovia, to Toledo, uh, up to Alcalá de Henares, which is where we lived for a year. Lots of different destinations around the place that are great to get to by train and usually by medium distance train. So you don't have to worry about booking in advance. But Spain is pretty big. And so if you're jumping north to south, east to west, it can make really good sense to jump on a flight. And like all of Europe, there are some low-cost carriers that have been driving those prices down for the last few years, and it's making it more and more affordable. So for those longish journeys, as well as, of course, getting in and out of the country is great. We were trying to do just a a short weekend away from, uh, from Madrid And if we'd gone by train, we're kind of going, well, if we leave on Saturday morning, we're not getting out to La Coruña on the northwest coast until Saturday afternoon. And then we need to get back on Sunday to go back to work on Monday. So that wasn't looking pretty. But by getting out to the airport late on Friday night, we could jump on a a plane and get there in, uh, you know, just a couple of hours. So once again, you have to add on the time for security and airport and hanging around in the boarding area and blah, blah, blah. But it still ended up making that trip quite possible, leaving on uh, Friday evening and getting back on Sunday night. And because we were visiting friends, we were lucky enough to be picked up at the airport, which also saved a bit of time. But yes, my friend Oliva had told us that we had to go and visit for carnival. So we went up there, she picked us up from the airport, and then she presented us with these costumes that we had to wear pretty much for the whole weekend of carnival. And they were hilarious. They made us look like we were acrobats walking around on our hands. And we had to walk around with our arms in the air to make it look like those were our legs hanging in the air. It was quite hilarious and also slightly embarrassing. But we had a really nice weekend. Hey, Coruña is a great place for little festivals and concerts and all sorts of events. Like carnival is obviously a big one. There's big parades and so many people get dressed up in costumes. It is something completely different. Like over here, the people in the parade get dressed up. Over there, it felt like about, I don't know, a third to half of the people in the crowd were dressed up too. 
It was and awesome. So that was really cool. And then there's, yeah, Nights Like San Juan, which is huge kind of two-day festival that goes all overnight one night. And yeah, absolutely cool. Nice place to be. Yeah, and it's pretty well uh, represented by flights as well because you can fly into Coruña or into Santiago de Compostela, which is only a little maybe 70 kilometers away, and you can reach that by train. Uh, one thing you might want to consider when thinking about flights, uh, when you're coming into or out of Spain, you might want to think about flying into Portugal, which is just next door, and then you can add another country onto your onto your journey. We really like Portugal too. Yeah, in fact, moving on to the next way to get around, which is to hire a car or hire a camper, uh, it's great for combining both Portugal and Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my sister came to visit when we were living in Alcalá and she hired a car and we did a trip, just a like a four or five day trip across the border into Portugal. And it worked really well because there were five of us. So it meant we didn't have to think about buying tickets from point to point. And we also wanted to do some exploring. We wanted to go to the wine region and do some wine tasting. So it made it really convenient. Like most places in Europe, you can easily hire a car at most airports. It's pretty straightforward. Make sure to get good insurance. But yeah, it's just the ordinary way of doing things. Yeah, and taking full advantage of a car hire allows you to get off, out, away from those main cities and into the countryside. And I remember traveling through the wine region where Albarino comes from up in the northwest of Spain on our way out to Portugal actually that time and cruising along, going to all of these small little towns. And we stayed at one with an Airbnb and it was it was a farm village, right? There were maybe... 30 to 50 houses mm-hmm. in the whole village. And yeah, we just stayed in this place, had great food down at the local bar, great wine from the region, uh, great cheese from the region. <laughs> and then, yeah, woke up the next morning and continued into Portugal, into the Douro Valley, uh, which is the port producing area. So yeah, absolutely cool. And it's not really something you'd say, hey, go to this little village. I yeah. can't even remember the name of it, but it's such a strong memory. Yeah, it's one of those things when you're looking at a map and you're traveling by car, you can go, oh, we can stay there because you know you can get to it. But if you're trying to get there by bus or train, it would never have been an option. So I thought that was really cool. One of my big memories was just driving along somewhere or another and we saw a cherry stand. We could just pull over and buy some cherries. Because we're traveling by car, we could just leave the cherries in the car if we didn't finish them. And just it was just really nice. They were delicious, by the way, too. <laughs> so yeah, car or camper hire, it's a really good idea if there's a group of you And um, especially if you're coming into an airport or you're going to be in a main city where you can get to the car hire place. If you really like being in a car, but you don't have enough money to hire it, there is something that's pretty popular in Europe that's kind of modern day hitchhiking. (laughs) There's various websites that are used for ride sharing. And so you use an app or a website to pre-book a trip with another person who's driving from A to B. And so you might go, oh, next week I want to go from Madrid to Costa Brava, which was a trip that we did. And we found someone that was driving from Madrid to Barcelona. We're like, hey, well, that's most of the distance. And we can jump in the back of their car and uh, share the trip with them and pay them for for petrol money and a, a bit extra. It's a little bit like hitchhiking. You have some of those same risks of jumping in a car with a stranger, Mm -hmm. but you also have the kind of the structure and the bookability of going, oh, yeah, well, this person's planning to do that trip next week and uh, you can jump on with it. I think it's a bit more like Airbnb for car trips because you're, you're sharing a resource that's already being used, right? 
Mm-hmm. So we used it, as Craig said, to get from Madrid to Barcelona. And we looked at two different websites, Blablacar and Amovins. And we found a girl who was going up from Madrid to Barcelona. And she could stop in Alcalá de Henares, where we were, and pick us up. And we had a bit of a strange situation because the girl's profile was actually just a front for a group of guys who ran this route as a business. So they had a van. And so we ended up having a very good trip. It was totally worthwhile. We met some lovely people. It was it was fine, but it wasn't quite what we signed up for. On the way back, Alyssa had organized a, a journey with Blablacar, and it was exactly what it said on the tin. It was a couple who, were, who had gone away for the weekend, and they were coming back to Madrid, and they had three extra seats in their car. We took two of them, cost us like 10 euros, something like that. And we had a really nice chat with them, and they dropped us off. Actually, I think they actually drove into town and dropped us off right at our place, which was really sweet. Yeah, so Blah Blah Car Amovens are car sharing sites and apps that you can use to uh, try and get around. We've, we've used it. It's been fun. But yeah, it also has its, its strangenesses where there are things that aren't quite as described as yeah. we found. Well, just make sure you look at people's profiles. You know, if someone doesn't have any ratings or reviews, then take it with a grain of salt. And if they do have ratings or reviews, then they're likely to be pretty okay. Hey, and if you're crazy like us, you can walk or cycle around the country with great ease. There is an amazing network of footpaths and walking trails that are all connected up that are part of the Camino de Santiago, which is a pilgrimage trail where people walk from all over Europe and uh, even the Middle East and all the way out to Turkey. People have been walking a pilgrimage to the town of Santiago de Compostela on the northwest coast of Spain. And uh, yeah, so because people have been walking here for about 1,500 years and probably longer because it's the westernmost mm-hmm. point in Europe, so there were pagan pilgrimages out to near this point, there's this network of walking trails everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, and you don't have to be religious to use it at all. We love it just because we love hiking But we also like the feeling of being able to walk from town to town, village to village. It's not like in New Zealand where a lot of the walks are out in the forest. You know, you're walking around, you're exploring, you're going to a mountain, maybe or a hut. But in Spain, the walking paths really do connect locations, which makes it great for getting around. We we have talked about the Camino a lot on this podcast. I'm sure you've heard us talk about it. We love it. Have a look for one of our other Camino podcasts if you're interested. I think IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Camino will uh, resource you up. Yeah, definitely. But we really loved love the experience of getting around Spain by, by foot. We've walked from Pamplona to Santiago. We've walked from Coruña to Santiago, from Orense, and also from Seville in the south. And we've had some amazing experiences. I think some of my favorite ones are just walking into a, a small village especially around Easter time and seeing what's going on. I remember one time we were walking the Via de la Plata, which is the one that starts in Seville, and the clock was striking 12 as we walked in, and everyone was walking to the the local tiny little church. So we thought, why don't we go in and we'll attend a service? So we attended the service. We just put our bags at the back of the church, and then towards the end of the service, everyone started standing up and walking in a procession out of the church. And uh, the women went one way following a statue of the Virgin Mary, and the men went in the other direction following a statue of Jesus, and they circled around the church and then w- went for a walk a bit of the way down the road and turned around and came back. So we joined in, and it was the kind of thing we'd never been involved in before. We just had no idea what was going on, but it was just fantastic, a real experience. Yeah, yeah, you just follow along, eh? Yeah. Cool. Hey, what? Of course, Spain is a massive peninsula, and there are amazing islands uh, off the coast. 
and getting around by boat should also be a consideration for you. It's not an option we've tried. Uh, when we've been out to the Spanish islands, well, we went out to the Canaries, which are so far off the coast, I really recommend flying. Yeah, you can um, go by ferry, but it's a very long way. Might take a day or so. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've we've flown out there, but some of the closer islands, like the Balearics and that, um, yeah, so good to be out by boat. I've been out mm-hmm. fishing and like pleasure cruising around and doing tours, but not to go from point to point. So much wonderful coastline. We did go by ferry between two Canary Islands from Lanzarote to Fuerteventura, and that was really good. And you can also do that between the Balearic Islands uh, and the Mediterranean. Um, you could also hire a yacht or hop on a cruise. If you wanted to have an experience of Spain as a peninsula, then yeah, getting on a boat could be a really good way to do it. So cool. I'm so looking forward to being back (laughs) just a little while away. Um, So we're in New Zealand at the moment and the end of March, we're heading up to Australia and then up to Greece. And hopefully we're going to spend a month or so in Greece, then pop up to Spain, have a couple of months there and then up to the UK for a couple of months before turning around, maybe coming back to Asia for a bit and then back down to the Pacific. So yeah, super excited about the coming year and yeah, getting up to Spain so soon. So yeah, soon. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to meet some friends and travel around in San Sebastian probably in May. So that's pretty booked in, but we need to decide what else we're going to do. Whatever it is, it should be good. And hey, when we fly into Athens, we've actually booked with welcomepickups.com to come and collect us from the airport. And they're the sponsor of this week's show. Yeah, something that I find really important, something that I love a lot is being picked up at the airport. And when we're coming home to New Zealand, we get picked up and it's it's really great. But when you're arriving somewhere, well, quite often you don't know anyone, so you can't be picked up. But with Welcome Pickups, you get picked up, taken to your destination, and you can also get lots of benefits like pre-ordered SIM cards and hotspots and things like that. So it's really worth considering just to make your trip a little bit easier. One thing I like about it is that you can pre-book and pre-pay, so it's nice and easy. And a licensed English-speaking driver will pick you up give you some water, give you a welcome bag and introduce you to the city on your way to your accommodation. So that's pretty cool. It is. And you can pre-book local experiences, day trips, city highlights, half-day trips out of the city, area activities, whatever you're after with their providers. And all of that information will become part of the itinerary that goes into your welcome bag. So yeah, check out welcomepickups.com slash indie travel. And for me, I think I'm going to go and welcome myself to some lunch and then a swim down the beach. Seems like the perfect weather outside for that. Yeah, it sounds good. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.